Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. One of the things I would recommend to every single American, I know it's not possible, by the way, if you ever want to love your country more, run for president. Traveling this country, meeting people has been one of the most fantastic experiences of my entire life. I love America more today than I did on May 22nd. But when I go back to Iowa, it will not be as a presidential uh, candidate. I am suspending my campaign. I, I think the voters... Uh, who are the most remarkable people on the planet have been really clear that they're telling me uh, not now, Tim. I don't think they're saying, Trey, no, but I do think they're saying not now. And so I'm going to respect the voters and I'm going to hold on and keep working really hard and uh, look forward to another opportunity. Oh, well, that's something no one was expecting just yet. No one was expecting just yet. For Tim Scott to say, yeah, after that debate performance, his best debate performance, I'm out of this race. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Trey Gowdy, whom he's speaking to on Fox News, when he lets this be known, is like, wait, what? You're going to now? Right here, right now, this show, you're getting out? That's... That's nuts. That is insane. But that's the way it is. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669-833. That is the number. That's how you get to be a part of the show. He was going to have to get out of the race. He wasn't going to win the race. That was just never going to happen. We know this of the senator from South Carolina. But Trey Gowdy, who hosts the show there, Sunday Night in America on Fox, is like, are you serious? You are, you are suspending right? your presidential campaign. You, 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 have, you have plenty of money. You have the highest approval numbers of any candidate that is running, and you're, you're a couple of states away from coming to a state where you are beloved, and you are suspending your presidential campaign. You, you know, uh, Romans 8, 28, such an important uh, scripture. It says that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I think the message is clear for me right now. Uh, I, I am indeed uh, suspending the campaign, but I, I am going to remain as committed to making sure that this country uh, chooses the right person by enjoying the journey of uh, just helping people everywhere throughout South Carolina and through our country. Uh, we have an amazing country. I'm very thankful to be in America. We should all be proud of this country. Uh, I was a kid, Trey, as you know, uh, nearly failed out of high school as a freshman. And here I am uh, running for president just a few minutes ago. I'm trying, I, I'm trying to process this, this information, and, and I'm trying to do it uh, on, on live television, so forgive me. Meanwhile... Nikki Haley is launching a $10 million ad campaign in Iowa and New Hampshire. Does any of it actually matter? Well, to the Trump supporter, the answer is no. None of it matters. 
Who cares about these people? Doesn't matter what they say in a debate. Nobody's watching those debates anyway. You know, the people watching are people who are not people who are necessarily with Trump. And yes, I argue that Trump has a problem winning a national election. To me, it's not worth the risk. But the poll numbers for him in the primary are massive. Massive, massive numbers. There is a poll out. What is, what is this? The TIPP poll? I, I don't know what the... There were 1,242 voters, a margin of error of 2.8%. So uh, is this a... Uh, Likely voter, registered voter, it just says voters. So I'm not sure. In that poll, though, Trump's at 60. DeSantis at 13. Nikki Haley's at 5. Trafalgar Group did a poll with Trump at 50. DeSantis at 13. Haley at 15. So this um, this this TIPP poll is massive uh, for, for Trump, devastating for Haley. But I don't think they're going to pay any attention. I think they're just going to roll on. Nikki Haley sees the opening. The opening to what is the question? And the opening to being a choice if this thing gets to the later states. Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Super Tuesday. If Trump actually wins Iowa, New Hampshire by these massive numbers, well then... Uh, South Carolina, I don't think South Carolina can help. And uh, how how could it? I think the writing will be on the wall. So Nikki Haley has to hope for second. I mean, she'll. De- I, I, I do think she'll get a, a, a third. I think it is Trump, DeSantis, Haley, right? That's, that's where it's at right now. I don't think Vivek is going to, to cross that Rubicon. His uh, poll numbers... In, in, in the same spot, a latest poll, which was uh, um, in New Hampshire, was USA Today, Trump 49, Haley 19, DeSantis 10, then Christie, then Ramaswamy. And remember, I don't even consider Chris Christie. Chris Christie is not going to win anything. I would be stunned. Iowa, Trump, DeSantis, Haley, Scott, Ramaswamy. The last poll had in Iowa had... Tim Scott at nine points. I Those voters, of course, split between DeSantis and, and Haley. That's where those voters go. And I got to assume more of those voters go to Nikki Haley. That's not enough to overcome Trump in, the, in these polls. But it's certainly an opportunity to get their dollars. And you wouldn't mind having, as a matter of fact, you'd really, 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 really like to have Tim Scott's endorsement. You would love to have Tim Scott's endorsement. Pence's endorsement could be seen as kind of like a a push. It helps, it hurts, right? Remember, uh, Mike Pence stopped moving forward because he didn't have the money. The people were not there. Tim Scott, uh, you know, Trey Gowdy saying he has the, the money. I don't know how much money. But certainly from this debate, Tim Scott had a little bit of of upward momentum. People like him, and they would want his endorsement. They would want his endorsement because of the evangelical vote he brings. They would want his endorsement because he's black. What? I'm sorry, politics isn't real? 
all of, all of a sudden we're going to pretend? The fact that I don't like it is completely inconsequential when people do the identity nonsense. But we should be honest with each other at all times. You would want that in, you would want that endorsement. It would it would be helpful. There's only upside to that. And that's not to uh to the Trump supporter, that's to everybody else. But if Nikki Haley is actually able to go third in Iowa and then second in New Hampshire, she at least sets herself up for a fight in South Carolina. Now understand that in South Carolina, she would have to win. Win. In South Carolina, the latest poll was CNN. Trump 53, Haley 22, DeSantis 11. Then Tim Scott at 6%. Everybody else doesn't even exist in South Carolina. The only way Haley gets to Super Tuesday is to win South Carolina. She has to win it. And 22 is the best that she's done. In the other polls, she's at 17, 18, and 18. You understand we're, we're talking about a, a lot of what-ifs, and, and for the Trump support, it's a, Tony, what the hell, what are you doing? This is the, I'm discussing their path to trying. Because Nikki Haley's game plan right now has to be try and be an alternative. DeSantis took himself de facto as the alternative. I'm telling you I can see an easier path of differentiation for Nikki Haley than for than for Ron DeSantis. And I'm not uh, uh, opposed to to Ron DeSantis. Uh, not, not at all. I'm just saying that Nikki Haley offers the better differentiation points. That's just reality. You got to assume that Chris Christie and Doug Burgum are next. And I like Doug Burgum, the governor of North Dakota. I think he presented himself well. I think he's got a a story to tell. I think he has things to offer. And I think he did a good job of putting himself on a national stage and, and presenting effectively that, hey, I'm a normal, smart dude. I've had massive success in this state. Maybe I can at least get myself a, a, a seat at, at one of these tables. Chris Christie, on the other hand, who was just in Israel. We must remember who's really responsible for this. And we can't ask Israel to stand down if they believe there is still a legitimate violent threat against them and their people. I think there's no question that there is. And so they must continue to fight until they have degraded that capability to a point where they can say to their people, come back and live here safely and securely. Until that comes, I don't think calls for a ceasefire make any sense. And also forget the history of the fact that before October 7th, there was a ceasefire in place and it was Hamas that broke it, not Israel. He's there. He's got the bulletproof vest on. He's trying to give the look of presidential, which is why I think he allowed himself to go gray. You looked at him in this last debate, and it was like, what happened? I think that's why he did it. He's trying to show himself as a statesman in, in, in this crowd. Good on you. And I don't disagree with anything he said.
He has no shot. He should have dropped and started running for Senate in New Jersey against Bob Menendez. That's what he should have done. That is exactly what he should have done. And maybe he'll still do. All things depend on how well Trump does in Iowa and New Hampshire. If, he, if it's with the polls, this is game over. If he by some chance doesn't win Iowa and New Hampshire... Everyone's going to give it a shot, try and desperately take it to Super Tuesday, set in the idea that this is a wide-open election, that the polls are all wrong. We won't know until Iowa. Haley is putting in $10 million to try and set the idea that she's the alternative. I don't know. I don't know. It's a wait and see. That much I'm willing to do. Bourbon in one hand and, I don't know, more bourbon in the other, I guess. This is Tony Katz today. You ain't no pickup line, so always stay humble and kind. Chuck Schumer and Akeem Jeffries don't like this continuing resolution that Speaker Mike Johnson has put forward. So what? They don't like anything. They're miserable, miserable people. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833-468-8669-833-GOT-TONY. It is a two-part continuing resolution. Why are we doing another CR? Because it took three weeks to get a speaker. That's why we're doing another continuing resolution. You have 12 appropriations bills that have to be passed. Otherwise, a 1% cut comes. This was the deal that McCarthy, then Speaker, set up with President Biden. Here we are. These bills are not yet passed. And I like the idea of separate appropriations bills as opposed to an omnibus spending package. So we actually know what's in what. Recognizing that we've got five days till a government shutdown, Speaker Johnson, having to work with the hand he was dealt, on this one, the hand he was dealt, is saying, okay, Here's what we'll do. We will extend agriculture, military construction, veterans fairs, transportation, housing, and urban development, and the energy and water appropriations bills until January 19th. Everything else until February 2nd. There's no aid for Ukraine or Israel. Doesn't uh, provide an extension for for FISA. It provides an extension for the expired farm bill through September of 2024. So what he's trying to do, as as reported and understood, is create urgency. Let's get these individual bills passed and done and complete in the proper time frame. You would get the first four appropriations bills done, then you could work on the other ones. The Senate, meaning Chuck Schumer, is saying, no, this is crazy talk. This is crazy town. Even Republicans are like, I don't know about this. Hakeem Jeffries is just going to say no to anything. There was a call in what Johnson said to I, I, the, the, the caucus. If this is going to work because Democrats in the Senate don't get on board, there won't be any short-term continuing resolution. And then he'll move to a year-long measure. 
that year-long stopgap measure will implement an 8% cut across the board to all non-defense spending. That'll be about $40 billion in cuts. Defense spending, in his, his words, comes out flat without losing much. I'm curious. I'm very curious where uh, the uh, Matt Gates faithful are with this idea. My answer is I'm fine with it all. Because I, I, I refuse to get worked up on, on, on this madness. If these people can't figure it out, why in the world would I get bothered just to vote for new people? But there are going to be some, I assume, who'll say, why are we even waiting? Just cut the 8%. Let's go. And then pass the appropriations bills. Does Johnson's plan have any chance? Not sure. But the plan certainly cannot work if it does not start with the following concept. Who cares what the Democrats say? It does not matter what it is that Hakeem Jeffries, the leader of the Democrats in the House, has to say. Just get it done. Try and find some moderate Democrats. Try and win some people over. Try it. Try it. But don't worry about Akeem Jeffries. Every time he opens his mouth, be there to say Akeem Jeffries wants to shut down the government because he likes pain. He thinks that that uh, having political enemies is more important than people. He doesn't put people over politics. He is politics. That's all the man is. It's all ever be. Then you got to keep saying that. Get it out of the House. Vote on it. Get it out of the House. And Republicans should move on this as a way of applying the pressure to Chuck Schumer. Let Chuck Schumer say no. Let Chuck Schumer be responsible for shutting down the government. Let him be responsible for it. And don't get me wrong. I don't like the idea of not having more defense spending. People are like, oh, you're such a hawk. Oh, you never met a defense budget you didn't like. I didn't say that there weren't room for cuts and things that we do as levels of redundancy that maybe aren't necessary anymore. I'm fine with walking through all of it. We can go step by step. We need more ships. We need to further our cyber uh, security capabilities. The amount of cyber attacks from China and Russia every day, every hour, every minute is beyond massive. We need to be further geared up for these fights. It's not the place I'm cutting. So I'm bothered by it. I'm actually doing more spending. I'm bothered that we wouldn't be. But this is what we've got. I'll take an 8% cut. As long as we take the money and pay down debt with it, that would be nice. Now, $40 billion is not a hill of beans compared to our $30-plus trillion worth of debt. But a start in the reduction of spending and a start in the paying down debt would be something. I don't know if Republicans have the mind to say, you know what? Let's uh, let's do this. Chip Roy and Marjorie Taylor Greene already knows. So, you know, there's that. I'm Tony Katz. 
The Colts take the ro- win on the road. I was going to say the road win and then the win on the road, and it came out at the same time. All right, it's Frankfurt. I don't even know if it was considered a road game. It's a 10-6 victory over the New England Patriots. And never mind how bad the Patriots are right now, you should not think that this is something that the Colts should sh- should cheer. This, this is a mess of an offense. Maybe a good defense, but you're going up against Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. The guy is one letter away from being a Scott Bayo movie. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. JMV joins us. He is the voice of sports in Indiana. 93.5-1075, the fan, based out of Indianapolis. We'll get to the Colts in a second. But IU, man, giving it everything they can. Uh, that overtime game, losing to Illinois, 48-45. to That ends the possibility of a bowl. But do you take this game as, you know what, they may have finally found themselves, or do you take this game as, my God, how could they let this happen? I just take the game as it's always IU because it's always something, right? It's always something. Like, you felt good after that Wisconsin game about their defense, and, Tony, their defense gagged up, you know, the second-highest point total in the history of Illinois to a backup quarterback that transferred in from Ball State. So I always look at it as something. So it it was an entertaining game, um, fun to watch. Outcome wasn't what you were looking for. But with IU, it is always something, always something. Going all the way back, all those football years, it just seems like everything else is working okay, and now this is going to go haywire. You know, maybe the offense in the past hadn't been great, but, you know, the defense is holding up their end of the bargain. And you know, I, I looked at it as incredibly disappointing overall. Great that they hung in, going to overtime, on the road, give it a shot to put two wins together. But it is typical, unfortunately, typical IU football. But when we take a look at IU football and we take a look at this offensive coordinator, uh, Rod Carey, who, yep. who took over um, – do we feel like maybe he's imparted upon this offense uh, a methodology of play that they can work with? I can tell you this. I think Brendan Sorsby is getting better with him. I Donovan McCauley, the wide receiver from Lawrence North, who was in, I believe, high school as a quarterback, you can see him getting better. So, yeah, I mean, I would have to suggest that that was, you know, because of the presence of, of Rod Carey, which kind of makes you wonder why – Walt Bell was invited in there anyway, right, as the offensive coordinator before he got fired. No, those are a couple of guys that I will tell you that look like that they are evolving and getting better week in and week out. And I think I'd give plenty of credit at this point right now to Rod Carey for helping helping that cause with those particular players. I think Donovan McCauley is going to be good. I mean, I think he's going to be really good. And um, I'll put that at the feet of the offensive coordinator, just like we would with any sort of blame. I guess I guess the question is, is he going to make the case to be the guy who replaces Tom Allen? And I bring this up because Jimbo Fisher, holy mick crap, JMV. We're talking about yes. Texas A&M. They decide we're done here. You, you even you had a win. We don't want it anymore. You're, you go, oh, the buyout is $75 million. It's $19 million right now. It's $7.2 million a year through the year 2030. Goodbye us. Here's the check. Bye-bye. 
all of a sudden the Tom Allen buyout doesn't look so bad. Hey, well, they're not going to do anything on the Tom buy, or Allen buyout this season, but we should never, ever cry for the ousted football coach, especially at that level, because, Tony, they are going to be fine. In fact, better than they were having to go through all of that junk, I'm assuming, in College Station. But now, uh, IU doesn't have the money to do anything with Tom Allen this year, thus they're not going to make that move on Tom Allen next year. That move will happen next year, after next year, because uh, then the buyout goes down, I don't know, $8 million or something like that, maybe even less than that. I can't remember what the number is. I've, I've had been asked about so many buyouts over the years, I kind of forget where we are on this particular buyout. I get that confused with the Shaquille Leonard dead cap space money. But, yeah, Tom Allen's going to have one more year. They're likely going to have another year with maybe a little bit of improvement if they can you know, hang together with Rod Carey and and uh, Brendan Soresby and Donovan McCauley, guys like that. But uh, not going to have a great year, and more than likely Tom Allen will have one final year, and then he'll be gone or they'll be on the search for another quarterback. But it won't happen after this year. Another coach, but it's not going to happen for another exactly. year. Exactly, and it won't be Rod Carey either. It, it won't be so Carey, that, no? Yeah. No, uh-uh, no. Talking no, to JMV, he's the voice of sports else. in Indiana, 93.5-1075. The fan uh, in Indianapolis, let's move it over to the Indianapolis Colts. A win is a win is a win. I'll take the win any way I can get the win. But this team cannot play offense. Uh, we'll get. To, you could talk about all the defensive fantasticness. You will. Going up against Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi is not impressive. I'm not saying that the defense played poorly. I'm saying they played very well. I am saying that when you have 28 pass attempts from Gardner Minshew, but only 24 running attempts, that you can argue that that's balanced offense. I will tell you that that's ridiculous balance from a team that should be running the ball like it's its job. What say you? No, I think the offense is awful right now. I mean, really awful. I Listen... I just think any good team defensively is just going to stack the box to try to stop Jonathan Taylor. Well, I don't think there's any question about that. That's the smart money right now. I I just don't happen to think that this offense, the way that it's playing with Gardner Minshew, and and you can say, well, you know, maybe it's not all him. It's not all him. He looked to me yesterday, Tony, like a guy, and I think I've said this before, he looks like a guy that is ready for a week off. That's that's what it appeared to me. He looked like a guy that needs a rest, is tired. And, you know, Tony, a lot of that comes with the fact that you're not normally a starter. I mean, you're a backup, and this has been information and physicality overload for him, and you never really know if he's going to be ready for it. I just think he's been ready for a break. Uh, they can't move the ball down the field at all as far as the pass is concerned, and if you're able at all defensively to take away the run, then you're going to be in trouble. I just think the last two weeks with Carolina and New England, they played two very inept teams really all the way around, and you have seen that. But I don't think there's anybody on that team that needed a rest at this point in time more than Gardner Minshew does right now. Maybe recharge those batteries, get back, and – there's a difference after the bye week against Tampa Bay coming up in that next home game, but he looks like he needs rest. Well, we can put it on Gardner if we choose, but I want to get into this receiving core just for for a moment. When you see Pittman uh, get eight receptions for 84 yards, but he was targeted 12 times, 
are those four bad passes from Gardner Minshew, or is this my God, man? You got to pull in a couple more balls and make that make that percentage much greater uh, than uh, than two thirds. No, no, you're right. I mean, certainly uh, Minshew will make you work for it, but yeah, I mean, you just have to have more consistency, really. Tony, honestly, all the way around, this is nothing new for us. And, and obviously they were looking for something different with Anthony Richardson that's not there right now. But there is no doubt in this offseason, however they decide to do it, you have to upgrade. And I've been around here long enough to know, basically since Chris Ballard has been here, it has been me screaming about wide receiver this and wide receiver that. He gets tired of it, you know, and says, I've addressed it with Alec Pierce. I've addressed it with Michael Pittman Jr., but it is not getting any better. They need with with Anthony Richardson coming back and hopefully being able to sustain next year. They simply put, and I don't know how they're going to do it. I mean, this is kind of like a trade situation. Hopefully with a disgruntled wide receiver, maybe Devontae Adams. Uh, and I'm just making stuff up here. Um, yeah, I you know, see what you're doing. Like, yeah, I know. I'm making stuff up. You're making, making your Christmas up. wish list very, very well known. Yeah, yeah well, no, that, that's what they need here tony they need somebody like that and you know what people said the same thing about philly and they ended up on a draft night two years ago with aj brown right people have said the same thing probably about tyree kill yeah he's never ever going to leave kansas city he ends up in miami you have to take advantage of these disgruntled situations with these guys because you have to have one of them and this colts team needs one of them now on the other side I mean, maybe it's just a draft, a high draft selection you take advantage of. That's probably going to be the more obvious path here. But I just think they need an established, high-level wide receiver. I brought up Justin Jefferson. Now it kind of looks like that everybody's refreshed in Minnesota right now with Josh Dobbs as the quarterback. So, you know, maybe he's not going to be disgruntled as what we thought. But that's really all it takes. And we're looking at something right now that may evolve and change in the next four or five months. I just happen to think that's the type of player that this Colts offense, and in particular, that wide receiving room needs. Speaking of that wide receiving room, I'm going to ask the question again. Alec Pierce, one target, one reception, 21 yards. If you're not getting Gardner Minshew's attention, Gardner Minshew's attention, um, then what 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 are you doing? Is is Alec Pierce? A, I, I happen to like the dude. Is he a bust? Um, I would say by his stats right now, he absolutely is a bust. The only thing is, he's also played with some don't laugh busty quarterbacks to this point. Um, but as far as his numbers are concerned and how they really try to go at him, yeah the the results, the returns, if you will on you know where they drafted him and what they thought he was going to be they have not been there i guess that's a really nice way to put it but yeah the quarterback situation has been just such an absolute scramble with what you saw last year and certainly you know with this year as well but yes tony you would expect more attention his direction and that is the part that hasn't been there Talking to JMV, he's the voice of sports in Indiana, 93.5, 107.5, the fan out of Indianapolis. Let's talk about who hasn't been there. Defensive side of the ball, and that's Shaquille Leonard, who has been complaining about his role in this defense, and now you're asking yourself, is, is he even part of the future of this defense? This season ends 
where is Shaquille Leonard within this defensive thought process? Or do I have it wrong? And he is fundamental to being able to have other guys succeed. No, you don't have it wrong. Nobody has it wrong because you saw it in that first quarter yesterday at Frankfurt. We are watching the final games of Shaquille Leonard in a Colts uniform. That's what we're doing right now. It'll be at the end of this year, and it'll be over because you cannot afford to pay him that amount of money to be that. And I would also argue this, Tony, that people will say, well, it's Gus Bradley and his system, and that's something that Shaquille Leonard himself has has kind of argued or brought out in the past couple of weeks with the local media. It's not so much that. It's just after – you know, nerve endings and a back and that injury, he's not the same player that he was two years ago. And it's not even the fact that two years ago when he was making all those plays, it was just good fortune. He was just a different type of player. And, man, injuries, especially, you know, to your back, and we start describing nerve endings and things like that to a football player, I mean, that that will just sidetrack you. That will derail you. And I think that's what we've seen right here. He's just not going to be what he was. Thus, paying him for what he was is not going to work financially for the Colts. I believe he'll have, what, $7, $8 million in dead cap space. And unless he is willing to come back at a discount, which I think we all would doubt right now, we are watching the final days of Shaquille Leonard in a Colts uniform, in my opinion. So that takes us to the opposite space. By the way, he was second on the list in terms of tackles, nine total tackles, two solo uh, in in that game against New England. Not what Uh, they're looking for, brother. I mean, that's not really what they're looking for. And and we can, again, we'll argue whether or not that's Gus Bradley's system. And, hey, if he had Matt Eberflus, it would be different. You can't afford to pay, you know, 20-plus million dollars or whatever for a guy to get nine tackles. They're looking for the so-called splash plays, the big plays, the turnovers, you know, just getting out. The and, hits, you know, all the that. Fumbles right. and all that. And he, he hadn't done that in two years. And you know what? Sometimes those injuries like that for a guy that is relied upon, you know, speed, it, that, that just can take it away. He does not look the same. And I think it's more about how he is and who he is right now than it is about the defensive scheme, which, by the way, we also may be watching the final days of Gus Bradley as the defensive coordinator here. We'll see. You know, even with a game like they had yesterday or even with a game like they had two weeks before, you kind of wonder where that is going to go further down the road because there was no relationship or connection with Shane Steichen when he was brought in here. He was just cool with Gus staying on board, but you kind of got to wonder if that, that is the, the style and the philosophy defensively that Shane Steichen and so the be- Colts want moving before forward. Before I let you go, uh, Zaire Franklin is the heart and soul of this defense right now. Is he about to get the – I don't know where his contract is. Uh, is he going to be around for a while? <laughs> yeah, I think so. That's the other thing, too. Zaire Franklin's probably going, wait a minute, this guy makes 20-plus million dollars, and I make what, and I'm doing all this? Um. He's not going to say that out loud, but he's probably thinking that as well. Yeah, he's going to he's going to get a raise. I don't know if they're going to go to the lengths in which they did with Shaquille Leonard in hindsight, but uh, he's certainly going to be due a raise at some point. It's just it's disappointing with, with Shaquille Leonard because he had so much going for him, and then the injuries did derail it. And you saw that first quarter yesterday, Tony. He just didn't. Didn't look great. I mean, there were some moments there, a missed tackle that looked really bad. And I think those far outweigh, you know, like nine tackles that he had or whatever. And I think this team is going to agree 
and probably at the very least would have scaled down his salary. And I right. think that's going to end up meaning he won't be a part of the team. JMV, 93.5, The Fan in Indianapolis, the voice of sports in Indiana. I appreciate you taking the time. We've got more. This is Tony Katz today. My life be like... So we're not done talking about Paul Pelosi, are we? This is the husband of former Speaker Nancy Pelosi, the one who got attacked with the hammer. I mean, he got really, really hurt. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. But the whole story was super weird. The guy who attacked him and how'd he get into the house and Paul Pelosi in his underwear. It was all very, very strange. And people were like, uh, this is strange. This is some awkward stuff. Well, it is now being reported that the guy who attacked Paul Pelosi had brought with him a sledgehammer, zip ties, gloves, duct tape, cash, a Canadian passport, a Canadian birth certificate, men's clothes, a video game console, and two inflatable multicolor unicorn costumes. Uh, Yeah, I don't think we're done talking about Paul Pelosi. And it is very obvious that there is a media that doesn't want to have this conversation. I'm not even judging it. I am saying that that is a very unique list and there are questions. Why can't they be asked in this case? Not even judging. I'm just saying they may have known each other. That's what everyone's thinking. That's what we should know. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Be right back.